Hello again, friend. Did you check out the Decoding Obesity community yet? This is yet another resource that you do not want to miss out on. I know that a lot of times weight loss can be a very lonely journey. We all need someone to cheer us on when we succeed and someone to pick us up when we're down. Hence, I created this community for you where you can discuss all your struggles openly. You can sign up by going to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash Facebook. I'll see you in the community. This is the Decoding Obesity Podcast, where we simplify, demystify, and decode obesity, helping you lose weight and feel great. So gear up for a fascinating journey through this ever-evolving field, and let's see what we find. And please remember that the thoughts and opinions on this podcast do not constitute medical advice. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And now, here's your host of the Decoding Obesity Podcast, Dr. Avishkar Sabarwal. Hi everyone, welcome to this episode of the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Life sometimes gets very complicated. The complexities of our lives often have a detrimental effect on our health. Well, I have another amazing guest with me today who has experienced it all. Sean Mulroney has seen some very difficult times in his life which translated to weight gain, but he has come out stronger on the other side. He also hosts a podcast called The Obesity Revolution, which I happened to be on a little while ago. And through this podcast, he tries to spread awareness about obesity to others. Let's talk to him about his journey. But before we begin, listeners, please hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening so that you can get notified about the new episodes as soon as they're released. Welcome to my podcast, Sean. Well, thank you for having me, Dr. Sabrawa. It's an honor. No, it's great to have you. Hopefully I do you justice, that's all. So, <laughs> no, I'm really <laughs> impressed by your story and you know the things that you've gone through. So let's just dive into this. When did your weight really become an issue for you? Well, it's complex. It's like you said, it's, you know, obesity is complex. It started, I played sports in, you know, school. I was a big sports fanatic. I played football and baseball, mainly hockey, even when ice skating every weekend and played ice hockey. And so with that being said, you know, I, about seven or eight or so, I started getting portly, you know what I mean? Having to shop in the Husky you know, section, but it was not that big of a deal. Everybody said, hey, you know, you grow out of it. And I was shorter, of course, but I used to my advantage, if you will. Well, how it was, it was compacted and, you know, things happened, trauma. And of course, my father passed away when I was six. And that was traumatic. You know, I got a taste of drugs and alcohol at an early age, too. By the time I was 13, I was addicted. And through that all, there was also, you know, sexual abuse that happened in my life. And my mom remarried. There was also verbal and mental abuse. And I always say this, that the mental abuse was worse than the sexual abuse. And that happened for two and a half years. And then my stepdad all the way through my teen years up until I was 21 and all the way up until he passed away, unfortunately. But my thing is, is that I got addicted to drugs, but that at the age of 21, I cut that out and I wasn't playing sports. I went to college. And of course, you're eating poorly anyways. So I was filling voids in all of my life, you know, just because of the things that were happening. And it took on, you know, a giant. I never set out to say, man, I'm going to be, my highest weight was 687. Wow. And I never made a goal that whenever I was in high school said, man, I'm never going to be that big. Because, you know, look at it. I used to look at the Gilligan's Island, the skipper. I used to think, man, he's big. You know, I used to think, look at Fat Albert, the different levels of fatness, if you will. And I'm like, man, I'm never going to get that big. Well, long story short, I did. And it was just a whole conglomeration of things. But it started at a young age. I was good size until that hit me. It just changed my whole DNA, my whole outlook on life. You know, I became probably into myself and just filled my addictions, if you will. And then had a bad relationship with food. You know, my mom is from Ireland, originally born and raised, and she could cook. And, you know, if something was wrong, well, why don't you eat something? Well, she'd make bacon and eggs, you know, at one o'clock, two o'clock in the morning. You know, they'd come home. My real dad was alive. They were big drinkers. They'd come home. And guess what we would do? You eat. You eat in the morning. You eat this. And then if you felt bad, well, why don't you eat something to make you feel better? That's what my little Irish mom would say. So it just took on a life of its own, if you will, and got to 687 at my highest weight. 
Wow. Yeah. You know, that's what I do in my podcast is talk about all the complexities that go into obesity. And there are so many things that can cause people to have the weight gain. Now, for example, in your case, it definitely was the calories that you were taking in, but there was so much more that's going on, right? You were mm -hmm. trying to fill in a void with the food. Yes. So that adds another level of complexity to the whole situation, wherein you're not able to control what you're taking in. And so for somebody to say that it's very easy, you just don't eat much, but it's really very difficult for the person who's on the other end who's actually suffering through it. Yes. And you hit it on the head. Everybody thinks, well, you know, just eat less, move more. And, you know, everybody says, well, you know, I would never let myself get that way. Well, like I said, that's not my dream. I didn't say, you know, people want to grow up and be a baseball player. They want to be a football player. They want to be a rock star. Well, I didn't set out to be that I want to be more of a Leo obese, you know, and I think you can speak to this too. And you have even on my podcast about the genetics and all of the hormones that go into it and then the trauma. So all of it came to it. And you said a great statement that I'll never forget. You say, you know, you want to fill in that void. You have things that are in your life. And I took that with me to say, yeah, I did because I'm still healing. You know, I'm healing from all the trauma. I'm trying to unpack it. And that's why I'm, you know, writing my book. My book's getting ready to come out because I went through everything that I could possibly, that I struggled with. I took it and I'm trying to show people that, listen, the assumptions, we need to kill them and we need to create awareness. And me, on the other side of it, that nobody ever wants to be obese, let alone on top of obesity, and then have stage three lymphedema. And so it's something, I mean, I work my butt off, Dr. Sarbawal, and, you know, it's still that same thing that my body is so used right. to holding on to fat, and I'm learning this. And, like, I feel that I am the world's largest guinea pig to show people, listen, even like you, you know, you inspire me because, you know, obesity medicine, you know, you're board certified in that. Well, I'm trying to get doctors to answer because doctors have been dismissive for me all through the years. And I love doctors, don't get me wrong. I understand how hard it is, but two things that they never talk about in colleges that I know of, and also in the health and fitness industry, is obesity and lymphedema. You know, I had doctors, you know, vascular surgeons and look at me and say, well, they don't know what to do with my lymphedema. And it was like getting answers was like pulling teeth. And so I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. My pain turned into a purpose, if you will. Right. And I'm a dog in the fight with the other people. And, you know, I talked to a guy, he's in our program right now and in working with us, came to our support group meeting last night. He has been bed bound for, since 2015. Wow. And he'd been working out in his bed for the last 12 days. And he's agoraphobic, doesn't want to come out. And the thing is, is they're reaching out to me because they're seeing, hey, if he can do it, I can do it because it's not easy. And when we understand about that, but we get doctors like you that say, wait a minute, there's more to this than just, you know, cut out the calories because I've been tracking my food for nine years now with my fitness pal. And I make sure that I'm accountable and I have a support group. And so, to answer that, I know it's complex. And on this side, I would not wish this on anybody to be able to be here in the pain that we have to go through in order to get there. But my pain, I have a purpose and my dreams are bigger than my excuses. Oh, yeah. You've had a very profound journey, Sean. Now, what changed in you that kind of made you move in this direction? You had replaced your other addictions with food, so to say you were filling that void. So what made you change and finally decide that it was time to do something about this? Well, let me say this. It was a process. It was like, you know, you think about this. I have more diets books on my bookshelf than you can shake a stick at. You know, you being a doctor having to read and stuff like that. Well, I know everything about dieting. You know, if I could put myself behind a radio and talk about how to lose weight I could do it. They just can't see my body and say, hey, you do this. I could be a motivational speaker behind the camera <laughs> with no camera on me. You know what I'm saying? So I know how. It's all up there. You know, we know it's the application. So what happened is, you know, the lymphedema took on a life of its own. In less than four years, I went from upper 300s to 567 because my lymphedema got out of control. I got cellulitis. I went to the hospital had Steven Johnson syndrome from allergic reaction to an antibiotic, blisters over 90% of my body. Well, I did this, and who doesn't love food? You know what I'm saying? 
the receptors, especially you said something to the effect sugar, high, you know, sodium, you know what I'm saying? That home cooking, right. you know what I'm saying? That southern fried chicken. Who doesn't want that? You put that on your head, it make your tongue slap your brains out. You know, I mean, that's how good it is. But it, <laughs> and you know, it's like, okay, here we are. And it's just like, okay, something happened that there's people that are 180 pounds and they can eat me under the table, but they never gain it. They, they got the metabolism of a hummingbird. Well, I got the metabolism of an elephant. And for some reason, something went not. So my thing is I ate like everybody else. Everybody used to think, assume I did. Don't get me wrong. I over. I didn't get here by drinking water and breathing air. I got here by bad choices, bad food choices, eating late at night, not eating till one o'clock in the afternoon. And then, you know, you're supposed to eat like a king in the morning and like a prince in the afternoon and then like a pomper in the evening. Well, mine was the opposite. And that's what I did is, you know, you eat fast food. Well, go eat fast food two or three times a day. You're consuming a heck of a lot of calories. Right. And so what happened was the change, you know, I got married in 1998. My wife has been with me for 23 years and she is amazing. She's my biggest support system. I could not do what I did with my wife, you know, for better, for worse. Well, she took the worse and she's been there for me. And anyways, when I got married, you know, I was in the upper 300s and all of a sudden it's, I started taking off and I get to 687. Well, I tried everything, but I tried to get my body in shape. My mind wasn't in shape. I even, you know, Dr. Sarberwell tried to get the gastric bypass twice. Okay. I went through everything. And I am glad that there was a roadblock both times. And for whatever reason, because I was not ready mentally. A lot of people, they think that's the end all be all. They think that's the first resort. And I believe the gastric sleeve or bariatric surgery has its place. But what we're doing is, hey, put a person, all we want to do is get the weight off. We're looking for a magic bullet, you know, a spoofu dust. Well, if I don't get my mind in shape and I wasn't caught up, so through, the things through the hospital stays, through the bad times, the weight gain, you know, the feeling, the sick. And it was like that process for these last 23 years. And I used to travel all over the United States, you know, speaking in public schools. I did public school assemblies. I ran a nonprofit called Teens of America, still do that. And I helped from drug addiction. I used my first pain and turned it into a purpose. And that's what I did. And I had to come off the road because my leg was so bad. My infections were so bad. And it was like, I want to lose weight. I, I tried. I, I tried. I'd get on it and I wouldn't get the results that I wanted because my mind wasn't there. I would try to get this and, okay, here, try Jenny Craig. Try Weight Watchers. Anyone out there because they want to keep us because there's no end all solution because it's not about the diet. You know, if I, until I started saying and cutting diet out of my lifestyle, I had to say it's a lifestyle. It's my meal plan. And I even don't like saying weight loss because, you know, you lose something, right? You're trying to find it. You lose your set of keys. You're trying to find your keys again, right? Well, if yeah. you get rid of something, like you have a closet full of clothes and you want to take it down to Goodwill or the thrift store, you know, you want to get rid of it. So I'm on a weight riddance program. I don't want to lose it. I want to get rid of it. And I don't want to do it fast. I want to do it forever. So my weight coming on has been a creeper of my whole life of certain circumstances and things and choices that all came to a head and I wanted to lose weight. I tried everything, but I'd give up. I'd go to the sugar. Then what happened was, here's the process that really changed. I was in the hospital. I had my first daughter, okay, Maddie. She's 10. That changes. It took us 12 years to have our first daughter. Having kids gives you a reality check. <laughs> and, you know, I cut that umbilical cord, right? And I'm like, I seen this life coming in. And Maddie, she's a daddy's girl. That's what she turned into. She was there. And that was like, okay, I want to be there. And it kept on manifesting. Even when Livy was born in 2014, there's another life. And I started thinking is that, wait a minute, I don't want them to just remember me in pictures. I don't want somebody else walking them down the aisle. And I started getting, you know, sort of frustrated. And then Mackenzie, but before Mackenzie was born, I went to a hospital close by because I was getting lymphedema therapy. And my therapist, both of them are awesome. Kara and Leslie were godsends. I mean, I just, I couldn't tell you enough about them, but 
they were sort of good cop, bad cop with me, but they treated me not like a subhuman, but like a human. And based on my size, my size to them didn't define me. And, but they cared about me. They really had so much compassion. And they said, you know, they worked on me. They helped me out. And they said, well, if you ever get an infection, why don't you come to the hospital here where I was getting the lymphatic therapy? And I said, okay, well, I had a bad hospital stay. I mean, the doctors treated me like a sub-animal, not even subhuman. And they wouldn't get my records from the other hospital. They wouldn't contact my PCP. And they kept on telling me I had this. I have high blood pressure. And I said, no, I don't. They said, you're a diabetic. No, I, and they wouldn't even check me. I said, no, I'm not. They would just ought to assume this. And my wife couldn't even come up to visit me in the hospital because we had like eight inches of snow and we had storms for like three days. And they even kept me for four days longer. Now, here's the thing. I could have used that as, wait a minute, I'm done. And I was, that year, I was in a dark place, put it that way. I didn't see any reason to go on. I didn't want to go on. I was just, you know, and when I was in the hospital there, I just like looked up. I said, God, just take me out of here. Just let let me get out of the hospital. And so anyways, Leslie came up to my room. She wanted to do therapy, but she couldn't because my leg was so swollen. And here's what she said to me. And I wouldn't have taken this from anybody else. She said, Sean, she goes, you realize how much you're worth? And she says, right now you're just living, you're barely living life because you're in this body and you have so much to offer. And not that you don't offer it now, but it's time. And I looked at her and she looked back at me and she just stopped. I said, Leslie, thank you. Well, I was in the hospital. She left and I, I told her, I, I couldn't tell her enough. And I was like flabbergasted. that Somebody took the time to say that to me because she cared. She did it out of love. You know, some people come up, say, well, you know, you need to lose weight. Really? I, I never knew that. You know what I mean? I go, <laughs> you know, went to a doctor. Well, I have a hangnail here, doc. Well, you know, you need to lose weight. Really? I mean, come on, Einstein. You know, I'm like, what in the world? I know I knew to lose weight, but having the support. And she said, I'm here for you. And they were. And so I remember laying in the bed that day and it was in the morning and that was when the commercial for McDonald's came out. Good morning, good morning, good morning to you. And I remember sitting, it, it made me happy, not because of McDonald's. It made me happy because it was like, okay, there's a, it, it sort of resonated. Yeah, it's something positive. Yes, yes, exactly. And I remember looking over at my thing of water, okay? And I looked over, I said, I'd like pop. I mean, you know, caloric drinks, I could drink caloric drinks in like nobody's business. A two liter, I could down. Wow. That's what I did. A couple two liters a day, you know, they're empty calories. I mean, there's yeah. sugar. There's a Go- lot of sugar. <laughs> yes, there, yeah. it's, it's just bad. And thank God I'm not a diabetic. My blood sugar is 103, sometimes 93. You know what I'm saying? And 93 between, between 93 and 103. Anyways, I'm in there, looked at the water. And I said, I'm done with pop. I never said that before. I'm like, I do a little bit. And here's the thing. I looked over. I called my wife. I said, Jess, I'm giving up pop. And she argues with me because she calls it soda. And I call it pop. And she goes, no, you're giving up soda. And I said, no, I'm giving up pop. So we get into a big fight. And I said, okay. I said, I'm giving it up. She goes, yeah. Oh, good, good. And she was saying good because she's heard me say that a hundred times. Sure enough, it's been nine years since soda and pop has had a control on me. And that was my first step, which that's what we do. And I tell people that reach out to me that are struggling with morbid obesity, I ask them to give up one thing, their kryptonite, for 21 days. Don't mess with anything else. Just give something up. Just move one minute. Do something small, because small tweaks lead to great peaks, as my trainer has said and taught. And we do that small incremental changes. So when I got out of the hospital, you know what? Boom, I got that. I got a Fitbit. I didn't understand. It was my first accountability partner, my Fitbit. Because I didn't realize how less tra- you know, steps I was getting. I got my Fitbit. I was doing like 2,000, you know, 2,500 steps. I upped and I said, I'm going to go to 5,000. You can set it and stuff like that. Well, right. I was doing, in less than a month, I was doing 5,000 steps a day. And it was like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm putting it together, you know, getting my lymphedema. So I have to do all these things. So it was like that process. But whenever Mackenzie was born on December 26, 2016, that got real. I mean, I cut the umbilical cord. My wife and her came to the room. I was in there sitting there. 
The doctor gave the baby, to, gave her Mackenzie to me. I, I held her and I looked down at her. And I looked back and I looked up and I said, I'm done. I'm going to be there for you. I got home. My mother-in-law took my two oldest, you know, Olivia and Ken and Maddie. And sure enough, I got there. I didn't take a nap because we had to get up at dark 30 because my wife had to have a C-section. And so <laughs> I called a gym three miles away from my home. I needed something accessible. And here's what happened. I called and Brandon, he called me back and he says, I want to meet with you. He met with me the next day for about two and a half hours. He took me on and I started my first workout program regimen on January 10th, 2017. And it's been four years now and I'm still learning the process. But the thing is, when the results don't show up, I keep showing up. Because it's not a quit, you know, it's my life like Mount Vesuvius, you know, the Rocky Mountains, the Colorado, weight loss is like this. And then add on top of that lymphedema. But the thing is, is I'm going to figure this out by the grace of God and I'm going to go forward and do whatever I can and make sure that my mind is where it needs to be. So it was everything that brought me to where I am now. And it was that process. And now I'm in it to win it. No, that's great. It's tough because, you know, a lot of times what happens is even with weight loss, it may not be a straight linear downward trend. You'll have those moments when the weight will go up. You'll have those moments when it'll go down. You'll have certain things that will happen in your life that can throw you off. Yes. For example, any stressor in your life or if there's a big event that happens, for example, the birth of a baby, this and that, these things can either be positive like it was positive for you. It was a big motivator for you to start losing weight. Yes. But sometimes they can throw you off because you're just off the cycle that you're on. Right. right? So, uh, you know, it can be difficult. But did you have any things that you had tried and they didn't work for you? And then, and what were you feeling then? I'm defeated. So yeah, I, I tried everything. Okay. And like I told you, I tried the doctor at whenever I was trying to get the surgery, you know, he put me on a liquid diet for six weeks. I gained 20 pounds in six weeks. And my wife will tell you, my wife does not lie for me. So I stuck to that puppy, that whole thing, because I don't have no problem doing a regimen, you know, getting in a system. I'm good at that. That's how I operate. I need something that's going to give me a strategy and me to be able to set. I, that's how I'm structured. I, I I follow that. And so sure enough, I went back. I got on a scale. He's like, you're up 20 pounds. I said, yeah, because you haven't been doing just like anything. There's TV shows that, you know, the doctor say, oh, you ain't doing. Well, think about me having lymphedema. Last time I had an infection last year, this the, the beginning of 2020, as if 2020 wasn't bad enough. I got in the hospital. I went there and had an infection. I gained 65 pounds overnight, water retention. And I even tried, you know, TOPS, taking off pounds sensibly. Well, I just think it stands for two obese people starving. You know what I'm saying? That's what I called it, you know? I mean, I was the only guy, you know, at a Weight Watchers meeting. And the scale didn't fit me. I'm looking around like, what am I doing here? And, you know, my wife was proud of me, but I'm like, I, you know, it wasn't conducive. You know, it right. was like, okay, here, you know, counting points or, you know, this. There was just something that it just wasn't doing it. And I had to get my lymphedema in control. So every book, I mean, people even send me diets or they'd want to send me a supplement. You know what I mean? Here's this, take this supplement and you'll lose weight. And I wanted to believe it, but guess what? It didn't work. You know, there's no magic pill. And an obese person, to be quite honest, if we don't own it and quit looking for that and take instead of taking the easy way out or we think we are, there is no easy way out. And that's what I said yeah. is even looking down is that people say, well, don't ever get the bariatric. Don't ever say that. If you get diabetes, don't take insulin. Medicine has its purpose. Or you got, you got heart problems, don't take heart medicine. And everybody's death. I'm not. If I have to do that, I am going to do whatever it takes to get down no matter what. And I feel that I have proven that, that there's not just this going off. Because I never had a true medical workup until two years ago. And doctors, they never checked anything on me. They would just say, okay, go lose weight. Okay. There is nothing sustainable for obese people. We can't fit into the gyms. You know, the meal plan is based on somebody that's un that wants to lose vanity weight. And if you don't get down to the heart of the things, you know, I'm preaching to the choir. I have no 
you know, understanding of it, but there's more to it. The science of it is that there's a big amount of problem going on in my system and I'm going to do whatever it takes to fix it. No, yeah, absolutely. I mean, and you know, you pointed out very rightly, there is a huge issue with weight bias in our society. Yes. Where thinness is, of course, looked at as just the physical appearance per se is looked at uh, with great importance. But I also point out to my listeners that being underweight is also not healthy, just like being overweight or suffering from obesity is not healthy. Yes, So, you know, it's being at a good weight, which is healthy for you. And that's what we try to achieve with obesity medicine. So, Sean, I mean, you've had so many ups and downs. What do you think was your biggest struggle with your weight? My lymphedema. That's been my Achilles heel. It's like getting that to where... You know, I went to therapy. I had manual lymphatic drainage therapy. I had all this. They couldn't keep wraps on it because I have a lobule on the inside of my thigh. And I call him Herbie because he's been living on me for so long rent-free. So he has a name and he's there. And put it this way, it's like it has got up to about 70 pounds with fluid, okay? Wow. And it's like you tying seven 10-pound bowling balls on the inside of your leg. So it's knocked me off kilter so much to even put my legs together to even finding a scale a bariatric scale you know to buy one costs like two grand you know on the low side to somebody and i have a wide base i need about a 32 34 width in order to stand on it well thank god for my wife my wife's so frugal and the amazon you know queen she found and you talk about the bias you know we couldn't find anything under two thousand bucks for you know to be a, so i can get weighed I had to get weighed with Brandon the first time I went to a truck stop. Wow. A way station. That must have been very hard because just be just the fact that being at a truck stop to get weighed, I'm sure must have been like really embarrassing. And it, that, you know, that's one of the other things that we try to tackle with this obesity problem is the weight bias that exists in our society. Yes. And uh, you know, we have to be very cognizant of the fact that we need to have the appropriate weighing scales in the offices. We need to have the appropriate equipment, the appropriate MRIs. chairs, etc. You know, well, well, think about it. And this is what I want to change, Doc, is that look at, to get me, if I wanted to get an MRI, I went to a heart, you know, cardiac doctor when I was trying to get the, you know, weight loss surgery. And they had to guess because they didn't have proper equipment. You know what? But if you go to the zoo, the elephant can get an MRI, you know, and I've heard of people that have to go to the zoo to get an MRI. Oh my God. And think about that. Now, you know, talk about bias. Well, why don't we put that money... And the same things and just saying, well, guess what? Nobody realizes how big the problem is. Nobody realizes that there's 30 million people that never come out of their home because the weight bias, because they can't go to the doctor's office because there's not chairs for them to sit. The distance is so long, you know, they can't get there. And then once they get into the office and the office is full, where are they going to sit? And they can't get up on the doctor's tables. I'm just speaking from experience. It was, it's so bad. It's so degrading that guess what they do? They sit inside their home waiting to die and they don't want to come out so my wife got a scale for me and we use it at the gym for other people because of the obesity revolution and the people that have joined and have come to the gym and got their life back together she got a livestock scale for 250 bucks same exact scale that are at the bariatric centers but they wouldn't let me get weighed at these centers because i had to be a patient and so a I understand. But the thing is, that's why we went to the way station. And so from there, when she got that, that changed my life. But it measures cows. That's what the scale was for. But it's 200 bucks to weigh a cow. But if I want a bariatric scale, I got to go and pay two grand. You know, my clothes aren't made properly. They just take one, you know, a 6X shirt is a 1X shirt times six. They just put extra they don't make it to because i have different pants that are the same size shirts or the same size they fit differently like i could get a 5x shirt and it will swim on me right i could get an 8x shirt and it would not even fit me like a 5x same thing with the pants so it's like this is what i want to change the collective view of how they view because most people aren't as bold as i am when my story got out there, and like I said, I, I made a joke about it because the market is to manage it. I went to the truck stop and said, yeah, look at me. And I and I did a video, you know, doing that. You know, most people aren't that way because, well, frankly, I stopped caring what people thought about me. 
And I'm going to say, you know what, you accept me, you know, you want to define me. And that's what I have a shirt, you know, the obesity revolution that says my obesity does not define me. You can define me by my obesity, but my name's Sean Maroney that has fat. I'm not a fat person named Sean. I have a fingernail, but it doesn't make me a fingernail. I have hair, but it doesn't make me a hair. Just like this, it does not define me. And people need to see me as that I am a human being, just like anybody. Red, yellow, black, white, you know, fat, whatever, you know, obese, whatever. All the stereotypes need to stop and understand it. Until you walk in my shoes, then you can shut up. That's what I tell people. Don't judge somebody because you think you understand that or you'd never let yourself get that way. Well, you know what I say? Bravo. Don't let yourself get that way. And they're 40 years old. Well, get, chances are you're not going to get that way because you're probably doing pretty good. And I guarantee you have eaten pretty bad over the years. But you just, you know, you got a good constitution in that realm. But, you know, at the same time, I'm the healthiest I have ever been because Brandon has taught me in us that it's not about the weight you lose. It's about the health you gain. Think about this. My blood pressure is 120 over 70. Boom. No medication, no nothing. My cholesterol, my LDL, my HDL is exactly even better than my wife's. And so all of that stuff to say is that people assume that. But you know, there's a 180-pound person that I know. He's a construction worker, same age as me. And he looks good. He's built. And his cholesterol's through the roof. And he's a high diabetic. And so if I put people, do a comparison, have him sit by me and me sit by me, and I read, okay, he reads my stuff and I read his stuff. What's your A1C? Uh, 103. Mine. Okay. So automatically people that would look at us and I'd say to them, hey, who do you think has the highest cholesterol between him and I? Do you know what they're going to do? And you know, it's that kind of bias that because you look healthy doesn't mean you are healthy. And it's about getting my health from the inside out. And, you know, I want the scale to move. But the weight, the scale measures my weight, not my worth. And so it's like all this stuff together is that it has to change, which that's why I'm so excited to have you. And we hit it off and you have the greatest heart that I can even begin to imagine it. I would have scaled and waited all my life to come across somebody like you. No, you're too kind. No, <laughs> and I'm serious. Yeah, I mean, a lot of us actually understand this, and that's why and I know. this field of obesity medicine exists. And, you know, I'm very thankful for this field to exist because, honestly, before I read about it, I didn't know about all of this either. And, you know, you talked about having these tough days and, you know, going through them. Sure. What keeps you motivated? What keeps you going? Intrinsic motivation. You know, besides my faith, number one, and I came up with an acronym for obesity, Okay. The O stands for overcome the mind, okay? The B is become a better version of yourself. The E is embrace embrace your situation. The S is stabilize and simplify your environment. The I is intrinsic motivation. The T is transform your habits. And the Y is you are accountable and responsible for yourself. That's great. Yeah, that just hits it on the head. It's it's just perfect. I think it's very important to have all of this. And you know, on my podcast, I've talked about a lot about accountability, yes. and motivation and stuff. So that's really, really important to keep going. And you had talked about the fact that you tried so many things which didn't work. And what really ends up happening is you have to really stick with the diet for anything to work. Yes. And a lot of times it may be difficult because it's not an easy journey. So really finding the support that you need is very, very important to stick through it. And, you know, that's why I actually have started a Facebook community called the Decoding Obesity Community as well. So listeners, if you want to check out my community, you can go to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash Facebook. It's a free community. I just wanted to start something where people can find the accountability that they need. They can find other people who are in the same journey because sometimes it can be a difficult journey and you may just be alone. You may not find the right support. Yes. So finding somebody who's going through the same journey as you are may actually be very helpful for you. Yes, sir. And support, you said, and accountability. That's the other thing. And the other thing, too, is I never expected my story to go viral like it did. Okay, over the last four years, I'm living the dream that I never thought that my pain would be where it is. But I'm so far out on the branch that if I quit... 
I have would have people lynching me and coming to my house and knocking <laughs> me down and, and dragging me, you know, to say you can't do it. So not that I do it for that because I, I just took a little bit of a break over the last month or so of posting a whole lot like I did, but I'm getting ready to really charge up all my, the the content of my life and the struggle. And I share the struggles. I don't share just, man, look at this. I'm at the gym. You know what I'm saying? I share like, wait, today I don't want to go to the gym. I hate going to the gym. I yeah. love leaving <laughs> and I have to do a mind hack. I never look forward to going. I talk myself out of it more than, you know, my workouts. You know, I, I do four workouts a week right now. I never thought I would do one workout a week. And so I'm doing them at home right now because of COVID and all that stuff. And right. I just, like I said, everything, it's a mental game. It's its that I look for it. It's such a, you know, great antidepressants, the most misused, yeah. you know, and underused antidepressant of what gets your endorphins going. I mean, I love, I, after I leave the gym, I feel like I can conquer anything. My mind is good. My, 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 my body feels good. I mean, I, I'm achy, but I'm going to tell you, it's a good ache. But I mean, yeah. me carrying that and then carrying the extra weight, but then Brandon is a master at modifying it whenever we're at the gym, because we have a really big community. We have like 30, 40 people that, uh, you know, that have come to the gym as a result of people that are morbidly obese. They, they, right. they got to see my story and then they reach out and they come and Brandon took on 10 of us or 10 more the year after I did because he never worked with somebody my size. So that's where the obesity revolution started is that whenever he took them on, they're right now, the 10 of them are down collectively close to 2,600 pounds. Wow. So the people that have lost weight, if I, you know, put out there, people, if I get a message every time, they say, hey, I started my journey and look at this, I've lost 100 pounds. You know, I've lost X amount of weight. And so it's great. And that's the ones I don't even know that have been able to right. say. So right, right, right. there's a purpose, you know, in my pain. And I got to do it. My why is bigger. You know, you find your why, you find your way. And yeah. I got my girls. I got my wife. I want to be there for them. I want to be the best version of myself that I can be. And you know what's good? My girls exercise with me at home. So I'm not teaching them bad habits. They work out with me and they, listen, they want to give up. Oh, dad, man, this is, uh, this is, no, we're going through, do whatever you can. We're going to finish the 30 minute workout. If you start something, you're not going to, you're not going to quit. I said, do you want me to quit? No, dad, you can't quit. Well, neither can you. So it's in principles of that, hey, I got too much at stake right now and too much to live for to say, I'm done. And that keeps me going. I mean, do I want to quit? Have I quit? Yeah, I quit pretty much every day. But I get knocked down. You know, I keep getting up. You know, what? what is it? Fall down seven, rise up eight. Well, I can't get to the top of the steps until I get to the step that I'm at right now. And that's right. how I'm doing it. What's kept me going is the small interval changes, the micro choices. The one thing that I wasn't doing yesterday, I do it today and then make it a habit and continue doing it. That's what I'm learning and being connected with the right people, with my circle of people, you know, what I'm doing and then encouraging others. You start lifting somebody up the ladder, you think about it, you know, you're pushing somebody up the hill Well, they yeah. get them to the top. <laughs> guess what? Whenever you get them to the top, guess who else at the top with them? Me. So I've learned to put myself into other people, make sure I take care of myself, but I, I, I love helping people and pushing them up the levels to get them where they need to be. Because if I keep pushing them, guess what? It's going to help me. Right. And that's it. Rising tides floats more ships. Yeah. And I want my tide to rise so I can put more ships out there. And I want to collectively change and create awareness with obesity and kill the assumptions once and for all. And however long it takes, it's like you reap what you sow, right? You put one kernel of corn in the ground, you never get one kernel back. You get an ear, you get a stalk, you get a cornfield. And yeah. that's what I've done is I have reaped what I sowed. I did bad choices and the choice is mine, but guess what? The consequence isn't mine. But now I'm learning the process and get to the consequence to get it out of my life and to unpack the trauma and unpack what I'm doing and make it a lifestyle, not a diet, yeah. not a try it, yeah, <laughs> but a lifestyle. That's very well said. So how do you manage your food cravings now? 
you know what? Let me say this. I have never been a binge eater. Number one. Here's the thing. I'm not a snacker. Okay. I have snacked. Don't get me wrong. I'm not a big sweet person too either. I'm a meat and potato type person. My thing is that I like to eat, like if I'm going to eat, you know, here's what I want. I want a big old piece of meat with a baked potato or mashed potatoes and gravy and or country fried chicken. Here's what I do every single day. I eat breakfast, okay? And I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. I, I'll eat eggs. You know, I'll eat some bacon. I'll eat some sausage type thing. I stay away from carbs. I stay away from the sugars, you know, processed foods as much as possible. And what happens is then for lunch, I'll eat what's made for dinner the night before. So for instance, my wife made a pork roast the other night, okay? And I love mashed cauliflower. That's that's one of my go-tos. And, you know, Brussels sprouts. I'm a vegetable junkie. My wife makes these green beans that are oven roasted, and she oven roasts all that stuff. We have an air fryer. And so what I do is I'll eat the night before my wife, whatever she makes, you know, she'll make it for a couple days and then I'll eat that for lunch. Okay. And then I'll like have a middle snack in the day, whether it be beef jerky, whether it be some nuts, you know, even a protein, anything like that. And then I'll eat dinner and then I'll have a snack at night about three to four hours before I go to bed. And so that's what I stay to. I've never been a big snacker. And so I'm a person of habit. So that's what I do is if if I'm off, like there was a time this last month, I was sort of discouraged and I was snacking a lot more than I should have because I was just saying, I don't care. I got, I get the, I don't care sometime. And so I was just like a COVID stuff's getting, you know, annoying, can't, you know, do this. So guess what? Well, I'm going to enjoy myself with food, you know, a little reward. So we say. I'm a person of habit. My same thing for breakfast, my same thing for lunch, and whatever my wife makes for dinner, and then I'll have a snack. And that's what I pretty much do. I stay between about 15 to 1,900 calories a day. And then I my macros, I watch my macros. I watch my sodium intake. I stay below 2,500 milligrams, if not less. Sometimes salt makes me just feel real sick if I have too much of it. It bothers me. It makes my stomach sick and my head. And so I do that with my my carbs. You know, I stay with an allotment of my carbs. I stay with an allotment of my protein and stay with an allotment of my carbs, my protein, and my... Don't ever forget about the fats. But anyways, it's just the process. And I'm trying to learn, you know, do this is that somebody can't do it for me. Another thing, too, I'll tell you what really changed, too. I used to want my wife, hey, why don't you read this? And hey, tell me what I need to do. Well, it wasn't until I took it on my own and and quit relying on somebody else to do it for me. That's what changed too. Nobody can do this for me. Nobody. And nobody can do it for anybody else that's obese. If you don't do it yourself and take it on for you, you will not have longevity. Yeah, you know, that's one thing that I kind of say to a lot of people is that you should not take the blame for suffering from obesity, but I think you should definitely take the responsibility because, and by responsibility, I mean uh, that you've been given this body and you're in this body. So you have the responsibility of caring for this body. And it's not about taking the blame for who is to blame for your obesity or not. The fact is that you're here and you're suffering from this disease. Really, at this point in time, you have to decide whether you want to take responsibility for getting your body to a healthier self or not. Yes. And that's really important. So, you know, the blame goes out of the picture once you talk about responsibility. That's good, Doc. That's really good. It's not, you know, the blame, it's about responsibility. I really like that. That's a good nugget right there. And yeah, don't blame yourself, but take responsibility. And that's pretty much what I did, just what you said, but never looked at it that way. And you have to take responsibility. You have to own it. And that's what I am doing. I mean, I can't have Jess sit there and spoon feed me. You know, and that's pretty much where people that are in my community, that's what they want. Right. You know, they've lost the will to do for themselves. And I'm speaking on that because I am and I've been there and took responsibility. I wasn't going to stick to anything. That's true. Not at all. And it's on me. What happened in my past, I can't do nothing about it. I can't. I can't live in the past. I'm not a victim. I'm a victor. I have learned to use that, is that somebody asked me one time, Dr. Sabrawal, 
They said, would you ever change anything in your past? And I said, no. They said, why? I said, because everything I've been through has made me who I am. And if it was off one fraction, I'd hate to see what one thing that happened to me, because things don't happen to me, they happen for me. And I would not be in the position that I am. I have a wonderful family that love me. You know, I have people and friends and support system that are there. And I wouldn't change a thing because I am who I am because of the things that were poured into me and the things that happened for me, not to me. It happened for me. It's given me empathy like nobody's business. It's given me a care for people on no matter what. You know, it's, it's caused me to not be prejudiced to anybody, not because of skin, not because of environment, not because of where you've been, not because of this. It's given me empathy for people and a sensitivity for people that I'm an underdog. You know, I'm an outcast and I'm proud of it. And that's the thing, you know, in high school, I, you know, had a teacher told me because he really got frustrated with me one day or several days, and told me if there was ever a vote for the one least likely to succeed, I would get it. Because I did not take school seriously. (laughs) And he got red hot mad at me a lot. A lot of teachers did. They just, I would just frustrate them because they're like, you don't apply yourself. (laughs) And so now I say, hey, how you like me now? And, you know, where I've been, you know what I'm saying, in high school and people that, you know, from high school where we've been friends on Facebook and stuff, they're like, hey, they find me and they're like, man, I never thought you were going to, you know, do what you're doing. And yeah, I said, I, ne- I never did either. And I get to live life. I love life, you know, obese and everything. And, and I'm going to figure it out. I don't want to stay here. I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to take it one step at a time. Oh, that's true. Yeah. It has to be one step at a time. Yes. Rome wasn't built in a day. No, it, it sure wasn't. <laughs> so how has obesity affected your relationship with your family? Obesity, well, it's been amazing. Here's the dynamic, okay? My wife, you know, over the years, has had to help me out, you know, been a caregiver, okay? And she has done it like nobody's just amazing. But here's what I've done. Over the years, I made sure I did what I could, Okay. I make sure I take care of, you know, the finances, make sure I take care of things that she doesn't want to do. And what we do is we become a team. Where I'm weak, she's strong. Where she's strong, I'm weak. We are an incredible team. She's an incredible support. My girls, they look at me because here's the thing. I don't let my obesity define me. And we cut up. I don't know nothing with my kids are off the table. We don't sweat the small stuff in my home. We're not going to be rude. Bullying is not tolerated. My kids, you know what? They get bullied. We will handle it. And they don't because those are going to stand. My oldest daughter, Maddie, she stands up for kids that get bullied. I mean, she flat out beat, you know, punched a kid in the head. And I'm not for that. The teachers weren't for it. But he threw a kid off the slide in the playground. And she said no. Because she has this empathy, but the thing that my relationships is, my obesity has been my frenemy. Let me say it this way. It has kept me from fake, shallow people. Because whenever they see me, if you're fake and you're shallow, they're going to write me off. The ones that come to me and accept me for who I am, like my wife, like my kids, and that's all that matters. Because I value what they think of me because I'm with them 24-7. And I want to live a life that is real, what I portray in video or portray in life or portray at home. And that's what people say. They ask just questions whenever, you know, she has done interviews with me. She hates doing interviews. And when my Fox interview came out, they asked her, hey, is Sean the same, you know, out here? Because we know he likes to cut up and stuff like that. Is how is he at home? She goes, he's the same way. He's the same way. He gets on my nerves and, you know, doesn't, you know, he, I wish he would quit singing because he can't sing and he's cutting and saying the, the weirdest things. And then he gets the kids going and get them laughing and Maddie, like nobody's business. So my thing is I'm down to earth and me, 
The people that are attached to me, they're attached to me because of me, not because of my weight. And my wife, she's amazing. She is so vocal. She doesn't, she's not going to let me be a victim. She doesn't let me wow, wow. She doesn't let me, she's just, just quit, quit. She, she, that's how she is. I need that because she's strong. She was through a serious past too, as well, and had never met her dad up until like two years ago. He didn't want wow. nothing to do with her. And she's also was molested at a young age and her, it was just dysfunctional. She had a dysfunctional, you know, upbringing and she is tough as nails. And that's what I need. I don't need somebody to coddle me. I do it sometimes. And then when she, when she knows, whenever the doctor said I'm, they have to bring ICU to me and it didn't look like I was going to make it because I was, I was septic. She just laid across my chest and started weeping. And, you know, that time, I'm like a hypochondriac, though, too. I have everything wrong with me. I'm bad at that. I mean, I just, I am. And so she can't take it. And she just tells me to shut up. She no, okay, yeah, Sean, go ahead. Yeah. She says, you know what? One day you're going to cry wolf, you know what I mean? And something's going to happen. But you've cried everything. You have every disease under the sun. You're saying, I'll see <laughs> something or, you know, go to WebMD and I diagnose myself. <laughs> and so she's like, well, you're not dead yet. And, you know, she's like, but... That's the thing. My relationships, what I have, what the thing, is it perfect? No. It's perfectly imperfect, if you want to be quite honest. But I love it. I love being real. I love being down to earth. And I love what I got. And the people that I'm surrounded with, they either accept me or they don't. So my relationships, I have to work at that. You know, relationships, people aren't just going to come and say, oh, well, you know, you know, get a fan and some grapes and put them over my, you know, it's not that way. I want to make sure that I respect people the same way I want to be respected. Right. I value my relationships. It's family first. They are it. They are the shiznit of my life. It's been awesome. That's great. You know, Sean, when we had talked earlier, you had mentioned about your gym trainer. And in fact, even today, you mentioned about Brandon. So it was interesting that he had never worked with anybody with your size. Yes. Talk to me about that. And then talk to me about the obesity revolution, your project that you had started. Sure. Well, Brandon, he trained high performance athletes. That's what he did. That's what he went to college for. He went to four years of college. And he told me, he's like, when we first met, he's like, I got the bill to show you. You know, I, I'm paying my student loans off. So when I called him and or called the gym and he called back about an hour later, he got on the phone. I said, well, I'm looking for a tra He said, well, the reception, because I dumped everything on the receptionist. He's like, wow. He goes, okay. He goes, we need to meet. That's what he said over the phone. And I said, well, my wife just had her third child. I said, it's a little hard right now. He goes, how about I come to your house? Okay. I said, sure. You want to come to my home? <laughs> and he said, how about tomorrow at two o'clock? I said, this is 26th. He came the 27th. I said, yeah. So I called my wife after I said, yeah. And I said, uh, you know, I'm here. She was in the hospital for a couple of days. And I said, hey, Jess, I said, I got a trainer going to, you know, possibly work with me. And she said, what? I said, yeah. She says, okay, Sean, good. I said, I'm meeting him tomorrow. Where? At her house. She goes, no, no. Because the house was a mess because we were, you know, getting ready for the baby and stuff sure. like that. I said, don't worry about it, Jess. I got, he goes, okay, I'm not there anyway, so I don't care. So, and she's like, I said, well, you could have said, you know, hey, taking this. She goes, okay. She goes, good, good for you. And I'm proud of you. And so he came the next day and we sat down for a couple hours and he looked at me. Here's what he said to me. He said, um, he says, you're ready for this. I said, yeah. I said, I got turned away of 30 plus trainers because I used to reach out all the time and nobody would take me on. He said, I want to take you on. I said, I said, man, I said, Brandon, are you serious? He goes, yeah. I said, that's great. I said, how much is this going to cost? He goes, no, I'm going to take you on for nothing. I'm like, I'm deaf in one ear. And I said, <laughs> I said, wait a minute, that's my trick ear. You know, say that here. He said, I'm taking you on for nothing. I'm like, oh, I said, okay. And I was sort of thrown back and he wasn't taking on any clients at all. He was filled. I said, so let me ask you a couple questions real quick. I said, have you ever been overweight? He said, not a day in my life. He said, matter of fact, my mom's the same weight she was since seventh grade. My metabolism, I had never been one ounce overweight. And I said, well, okay. I said, well, have you ever worked with somebody my size? And he looked at me, he says, no. And I said, so how is this going to work? He says, he says, you want to learn from me, don't you? I said, yeah. I said, obviously. 
He says, you know, I know how, you know, nutrition, he's, you know, physiology, he's a nutritionist, all that stuff, got his degree for it. And he says, well, here's the thing. I want to learn from you. He said, let's learn together and let's change how obese people are treated. Because he said, I had a bad view of obese people. He said, I had assumptions that they were lazy. They didn't care about themselves. And he says, I want you to teach me and learn. And I want to learn from you. We did that first year. I lost my first hundred pounds that first year, like in eight, nine months. Okay. And I was, I was like excited. I'm like, man, okay. And to next year, I'm going to lose 200 pounds, three, I'll be down 400 pounds in four years. Well, no other things, right. You know, infections I've had, you know, multiple infections, all that stuff. But anyways, it wasn't linear. <laughs> if, if it was true, you know, I would be at my goal weight by now, but I don't have a goal weight. Everybody asks me, do you have a goal weight? No, I'll know when I get there. I'm just going to take it, hey, 50 pounds at a time, 100 pounds at a time, get me to my next goal. I want to be under 500 pounds. That's my next goal right now. You know, when I hit 499.9, I'm going to be celebrating. And so he said, let's go. He said, wait, get, let your daughter come home and wife come home. And he says, let's meet on January 10th. And I said, okay. And that's what I did. And so for that year, he learned a lot. <laughs> He's like, you know, because he was coming. Here's what he did. He'd come to my home twice a week and work out of my home. And then once a week work at the gym because my wife has to drive. You know, my right. wife is, you know, I can't drive with lymphedema. I can't do the gas and the brake. And said, hey, how's your nutrition? And I, I would send him my nutrition every day. And I got on the scale, was losing weight, boom. And then all of a sudden I put influx again of weight. You know, two weeks in a row, I put on weight. And he sat down and he goes, Sean, yeah, I said, Brandon? Yes. And then my wife back in the back room, she was working in her, you know, home office. And she said, Brandon, he is right down. I'm not going to lie for him. And he was like scratching his head. He's like, man, okay. And that's whenever he started realizing it, that there's more to this <laughs> than just putting somebody that wants to gain some muscle and get ripped and get a little bit of body fat and get your percentage down a little bit lower that this is pretty much taken over. And then he learned so much. We learned about, you know, that together about taking small steps, you know, small tweaks lead to great peaks. He learned all that. And then that's when we did a contest off of my Fox interview. He and I, Fox came and they interviewed me, did a whole series on it. That garnered 7 million views by itself, that interview. And so we did a contest. He came to me and said, I'm going to take on 10 or four people at no cost for the next six months. I'm like, cool. And he said, you know, Mandy, who did the interview, we asked her, you know, Scott, who helps me out with my media. They did that. And we asked, hey, can we do the contest at the end? And she said, yeah, we'll throw it in. And we had 500 applicants. Wow. They had to do 250-word essay. And they had to just go through everything. And then we were going to pick top 10. And we were going to get down. And Brandon was going to decide on the final four. So we had all these five men just in within a little bit of time and going through. Well, I was reading all of them. I wanted to take everybody on because that was like so much, you know, with me sure. and Brandon okay. too. So we had to get a team of 10 people and we divvied them up. And so when they took them, they got down to each one of them, got to the one that stuck out to them the most. And so they came back to us and said, hey, here's the 10. And then Brandon called all 10 and he got on the phone with them and said, hey, here's what's going on. You're a top 10. You're a finalist. And we're going to have a meet and greet, all that stuff. We're at the gym. We want you to get there. If you can't, then we'll do it video. And so a bunch of them couldn't come because they were homebound. And right. so anyways, he came back to me. He goes, after the phone call, he goes, Sean, he says, I can't take on four. I said, what, what do you mean? He goes, I got to take on all 10. He took on all 10. They came to the meet and greet a year, almost to the day later. And they all came to the gym. We had a meeting. I was talking to them, Brandon, weighed them and started on their journey. And we have, some of them have lost over 250 pounds already, 150 wow. pounds, 120 pounds, 180 pounds, and just sticking to it and still coming as, and that's been three years. This is the third year for them. And it's been that way of what he created. And then all of a sudden, we had such a high demand of people, you know, wishing, hey, they would see my video and they want the same thing as Brandon, you know, and they're across the state, I mean, or across the world, a matter of fact. And so what we did is we put an online program together 
with meal plan, 21 day challenge, just giving one thing up, workouts where you can sit. We're doing a thing now, get fit while you sit and, you know, just do what you can. Just like this Matt, the guy that has been bed bound since 2015, he's just doing things in bed. He can't get up. He's on a BiPAP daily. And so he's doing things right in his bed, but he's moving. And so it's been amazing. And the people that have come in are just getting their lives changed and they're getting their life back. And my best day nine years ago is my worst day today. That's how I look at it. And that's what they're looking at. It's all about perspective. And so it's just been amazing with the obesity revolution. It turned into a podcast. Then we had the podcast going on. Then we got wind up with a TV show. And so that's in the works right now. I mean, it, things, things that's are happening. Great, you know, my book, you know, <laughs> it's just been, been amazing on everything that has come to fruition. And now what I'm here to do is this is my purpose. This is me doing God's work to help people to get where they need to be in our community. And I feel like I'm the answer to lead people to the answer. I'm the answer to lead people to Brandon. I'm the answer to lead people to people like you. That's what I want to have as a a team that people come and reach to me. They get a medical evaluation, a psychological evaluation. If they have lymphedema, we also are going to have a CLT, which is a certified lymphedema trainer. And then also we have a doctor like you of a whole team that they come in there. And then my ultimate dream, this is such a big dream. And my wife says, I have, you know, caviar dreams on a tuna fish budget. And so (laughs) I want to have obesity revolution centers where a person can't get out of their home. Well, we have vehicles that can go pick them up, bring them to the center and get them a medical evaluation, get them the doctor on them, that they get that. And they get also the nutritionist. And then what happens, a psychologist, everybody comes together and gives them a customized meal plan and a customized plan that will give them everything that they need. (laughs) <laughs> That's phenomenal. Yeah, that would be great. You know, transportation seat, we, we changed seating, you know, we changed everything, you know, for restaurants, you know, everything that we can change. Yeah. And that's what I want to do. And that's why, like I said, connected with you that I can't do it. I'm the answer to lead people to the answer. That's phenomenal. I mean, I, I'm just so amazed. And that's why I wanted to have you on my show, because this is so inspirational. Your story is really, really inspirational. Thanks, doctor. And I'm amazed. And, you know, the positivity that you have and the enthusiasm you have about this, it's just so infectious. So it's really great. <laughs> well, that means the world to me that you as a doctor saying that. And this, what's happening right now is my dream. I'm talking to a doctor that's obesity medicine certified. That's what my vision was. Come on, that doesn't make sense. You know, that's like me on Baywatch. It doesn't make (laughs) sense. Or me on a tricycle. It doesn't make sense. But it does because that's my vision. And I'm a visionary. And I'm on a podcast, had a Dr. Cyberwall on my podcast. And now I'm on Decoding Obesity podcast for such a time as this to change the world effectively because obesity is a pandemic, a global pandemic, and it needs to be changed. Childhood obesity. One in three children are obese. I mean, if we don't reach them, I mean, mm -mm, education. And here's what my whole tagline is. It is my job, okay, that I got to identify the problem. I want to educate people. I want to inspire people. And I want to make sure at any given time that I execute. The problem is big. We are identified. And then I came up with the look, listen, and learn principle. And here's the look, listen, and learn principle. What Brandon did, what other people have done, got to look at the problem, listen to the person, and learn about the patterns. That's true. And then (laughs) put it into effect to change it to where we identify it. We educate and we inspire and then we execute because a plan isn't so good when you talk about it. It's when you apply it, because if you don't put the plan into action, all you have is something on paper and that's where the execution takes play. And that's what I see this right now that we change and give hope to the 30 million people that don't have hope because how I look at it, you know, I know people have dealt dope in the in years past but I'm a hope dealer. I want to give people hope where they are in the dark 
and they have nobody that's caring for them whatsoever. And the education has been poor. I agree. And the assumptions have been terrible. Yeah, and I think we need to change it. And that's why giving them hope, giving them the accountability they need, giving them the support they need. Yes. That's why we have people like you who have the obesity revolution. And I started that Facebook group that I'm actually still working on. And it's, it's kind of just started. So I just want to reiterate to our listeners that listeners, please do join. Yes. It's a free group that I started. It's a free Facebook community called Decoding Obesity Community, basically to find other people who are in the same boat as you are and get the support that you need because somebody who's in your shoes will understand your struggles yes. somebody who's never been in your shoes may not understand your struggle may they may have their heart in the right place but they may not necessarily understand what you're going through right so having a, a group where people know what you're going through and help you get past that because some of them will be in different stages of their journeys and if they have gone through whatever you are going through they may be able to help you with that and that's the whole reason why i started this community so listeners if you want to join that you can go to www.decodingobesity.com forward slash facebook i think that's all we have time for today i'm afraid we're out of time well thank you so much sean for sharing your story dr saberwell thank you for having me and thank you for all you're doing and decoding obesity we're going to do it We're going to roll up our sleeves in the obesity revolution together. We are going to cause waves, a tsunami of a storm. That's how I look at it. I hope so. (laughs) No, I know know so. It's going to happen. So no doubt about it. Well, thank you everyone for listening in. I'll see you all next time. You've been listening to the Decoding Obesity Podcast. Please remember, the information in this podcast should not be used in any legal capacity whatsoever. The thoughts and opinions expressed on this podcast are solely of the host and his guests and do not constitute medical advice. Views and opinions on this show do not necessarily represent the views and opinions of any organization. And that brings us to the end of the show. Thank you so much for listening in. Don't forget to visit our website, www.decodingobesity.com, for show notes and more info. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe on your preferred podcast listening platform. We really appreciate that effort. Until next time.